The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how's it going this week? Uh, it's going way better than last week. <laughs> you know, um, I think the question really is, do the uh, wrestlers enjoy it better when Joe can't talk? Or do they like it better when Joe can just shoot the truth and make them <laughs> make them cry? <laughs> uh, I guess it depends on... Uh... Which wrestler you're asking about? You know, polar um, opposites. Kind of, yeah. kind of like Trump. You know what I mean? It's like you either really hate you or they really love you. There's like not a lot of in between with me. It seems like. Like I'm the best. I'm the best dude ever to some of these guys, and I'm the biggest piece of shit to others. So, what can you do? Is that is that what you uh, what you feel your your epitaph will read, Joe DeFalco? Some people loved him. Some people thought he was a piece of shit. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and oh, it is man. what it is. You know, I, I guess in that situation, it means you've actually at least accomplished something in life. You know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> well, hey, is you know if you actually accomplish the point where you can have an epitaph attached to yourself, you've done something right or something really wrong. So it all comes, uh, comes back in the end. Um, well, you know, at least I haven't killed anybody yet. <laughs> yet. You know, Danny Rose is still on that list. I was going to say, which of the Suavecitos is closest? Nah, oh, Rick, Ricky's the guy who tries to schmooze things. <laughs> uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Los Suavecitos here. Uh, we just had a show uh, this past weekend. It was uh, a high octane uh, that was uh, setting up uh, essentially the upcoming uh, 13th anniversary show on Sunday the 19th. Um, and with this, uh, the, uh, high octane calm before the storm, that's what I was looking for. Calm before the storm. Uh, we got a couple of the qualifiers for the case in the cash, uh, ladder. Yeah. Match. I just, I just saw reading the scroll, uh, at what show did action Jackson, uh, qualify for the cash in the case? I'm curious. Oh, should be, did I put Jackson? Yes, you did. It's Carl Weathers coming out of retirement for uh, an appearance at the cash in the case. 
the newest member of the faction? <laughs> Ice's grandpa? Yeah. <laughs> it's actually, that would be kind of a fun idea. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure the fans would much rather see Carl Weathers than Action Braxton in that match. Well, you know what? Let's talk about it, Braxton. You know, he's more so really known for his, you know, vibrato, his voice, his, you know, overselling the uh, the faction and hype and all of that stuff that goes with him. But are we finally seeing him kind of break through and show that, hey, I've got more to offer than just being a mouthpiece? Well, you know, he feels, you know, he should have been the heavyweight champion two years ago. So, you know, again, it depends on who you talk to in situations. <laughs> you know, oh. he'll tell you he's the most underutilized talent in probably FSW history. And maybe even pro wrestling history as possibly, well. Possibly, you know. <laughs> Well, it's it's shaping up uh, to be a pretty big show for the faction. You have TBD, who are the tag team champions, and Hero and Shogun are going to be defending the titles against Lights Camera Faction's, uh, you know, very own Fresco and uh, Watson. It, are you, you know, unless, unless Braxton sticks himself in that match and kicks out one of the two, you know what I mean? You know, being the self-proclaimed leader of the group, I guess he could do whatever he wants. Could, could we see a triple him go for the tag titles, the the cash in the case, and with the cash in the case, am I correct? If he wanted to, and Ice Williams defeats Hammerstone for the championship. He could cash in on ice, right? He could. It could be for the supremacy of the faction. <laughs> is is he is he uh, the Farouk uh, and Ice the Rock kind of when uh, that went down with the uh, the Nation of Domination? Uh, could could we see if Ice does beat Hammerstone? Could we see tension in the faction or are those guys so tight knit that, you know, whatever goes, they're there for each other. Now, in my opinion, everybody follows the lead of Ice Williams. Right. In my opinion, in Braxton's opinion, everybody listens to him, you know, because I've talked with Fresco and, you know, we talk about certain things and sometimes Braxton shows up. And for some reason, Fresco always seems to have an eye roll going really bad when the topic of conversation becomes Fresco. I mean, becomes Braxton. So, Braxton. you know, maybe he just has a bad twitch. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to start anything between them. But, you know... You know, Watson, Watson's the, is the quiet guy, you know, you know, who carries a pretty big stick when he's in there. Yeah. But, you know, 
in and in, in every situation for a faction like that or a group to work you have to have the you have to have the the leaders and you have to have the workers or there become there becomes that interfriction as you said of well I'm the I'm the best no I'm the best well I'm the best well Watson just goes in and does his job sure. now fresco has started you know he's done his he's done his podcast he's really improved a lot uh, you know from when he was in the tag team with the uh the, the pitbull imitator mondo dinero back in the day That's right you yeah. know but he's doing great in Miami I heard he's got uh, a lot of gigs lined up you know doing impersonation shows uh he's a tribute artist I believe you know he might be performing with Santana Jackson any any day you may want to check ticketmaster for tickets on that one. But, you know, Fresco is starting to feel like he's a big-time player, you know. Nobody on that resume could say they beat Kenny King. So if I'm Fresco, I'm saying, hey, I think I should be the fucking leader of this group. So eventually it's going to be based on championships. So if somebody wins a championship and it's a a Braxton or a Fresco, they're going to have, you know, the leverage. They're going to have the juice. They're going to have the power, you know, and all three have an opportunity. Now Braxton's different, you know, if he won the cash in the case, he'd have his time to pick and choose, but all three have an opportunity to become champions in reality uh, at the anniversary show. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Watson, what are your takes or opinions on the uh, work he's done for himself in terms of the shape he's gotten himself into and some of the, um, the new, you know, style that he's bringing um, because him and Fresco were doing some stuff that he didn't necessarily see them do before. Is is Watson really now starting to step up and show that, man, he is – because like you said, he's quiet. So is he really starting to shine in terms of his in-ring skills? Because I think out of all the people in the last – since the pandemic and you know started, I think Watson's one of the guys who's really upped his game in terms of his – in his in-ring ability and his uh, physical appearance. Well, he always had the in-ring ability because early on he had good mentors and guys like Hammerstone and Graves and things like that. I'll be honest. I I think the pandemic kind of changed the way things are. You know, usually you see a smaller guy get bigger. And I see Watson and I think, he was a bigger guy who, in my opinion, has gotten way too small. Hmm. It, it, it's like I personally think, you know, he needs 20 pounds on him. You know, he probably lost 40. You know, I, I, I think a, a better number would be a little bulkier. You know, I remember the first time because he got to remember these guys haven't wrestled that much. So I, I can't tell you, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're they're in wing in ring work. You know, they've been doing a little more stuff on the outside. They've been kind of laying low since when ICE lost 
uh, the No Limits Championship. But I haven't seen enough of Watson other than, you know, I saw him doing some stuff, you know, neck breakers off the top rope, things like that, that I probably haven't noticed that often, you know, in his past. You know, he's like reverse Scott Steiner. You know, he went from a bigger dude, you know, to, you know, the smaller dude instead of the Brian Cage who was small and did cool shit and then got bigger and still did the cool shit. Right. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, The idea of ice versus Hammerstone. Hammerstone's had the belt for a while now. Um, We know the faction, of course, is always, uh, you know, present. Um, And there there could always be interference from the faction. One of the names that I haven't seen a lot of, and I think the fans would be interested in kind of knowing uh, what the situation is with Graves. And would Graves potentially be there at the anniversary show just in case Hammerstone needed a a hand uh, making sure those guys didn't interfere? You know, it's definitely possible. And the thing is, with, with so much talent, it it isn't anything like WWE or AEW. We, we understand where we are at in, in a pecking order. But when it comes to our mainstays, you know, sometimes there isn't anything of substance. Can I put Graves in, you know, a random match? against somebody sure you can do that and we probably have done that from when he lost the championship but there's only so many guys that you could say okay well now we got a spot for three things and it's like well a natural born killers of course we're going to have a spot for graves he's one of the he's one of the number one guys that we're going to use in that situation well when hammerstone first got into some issues with the faction perfect situation for graves to get involved with and then the uh you know the aew weekend came up and in reality not that he was a backup to tom lawler the deal was we were looking for some names uh you know on the on the major league level of name value not fsw name value because graves is one of the most popular guys fsw's ever had and having the impact champion wrestle who at the time was the new japan openweight champion and getting that match signed became a big deal and you know we utilized that match so it left him with no match and you know we have a battle royal that we do every year. And in that battle royal, there's going to be some names that we probably haven't seen in a year or two. And, you know, there's always an open invitation for Graves to be in that. But in reality, it's mainly for return guys who haven't seen nostalgia and giving some of the younger talent a an opportunity. If Graves wants it, he, he's the he's on. There, there, there's no doubt about it. But I got a message yesterday from Sin Bodhi. And he was like, hey, my, my show got canceled on the 19th. 
hey, if you need me, you know, for the anniversary, and it's like, you know, no offense, bro, the show's less than two weeks away. You know, we've set up the storylines. We've set up, you know, every match we've announced has a reason for it. And the one that doesn't is the cash in the case. Well, we had qualifying matches for it, you know. And, you know, we have a major announcement this week coming up about the uh, the women's championship. And everything isn't set in stone. So I don't want to announce it now, even though right. by tomorrow we may have that information, you know. But, you know, there's, be, there's definitely going to be a women's match at the anniversary. Now we're still contemplating what we're doing with that match and how it involves the uh, vacant women's championship. I can say we are leaning toward having a match to crown the champion. Why wouldn't we do it on the biggest show of the year, the anniversary, instead of waiting to high octane at the FSW arena, but we need to have all the players in place to make it work. So, you know, that that'll be what I'm working on today. The, the issue is, after the extremely busy AEW weekend, I felt like shit all week. So we had three weeks to prepare. Now we only have less than two. Right. Because I was pretty much out of commission for five or six days. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like, now it's fucking, again, it's scramble mode, you know. But it is what it is. That's and and that's a, another thing that can probably be on your epitaph is uh, <laughs> Joe DeFalco always in scramble mode. <laughs> Love the, the, the scramble. scramble, the king of the scramble. <laughs> um, you know, you had a great, uh, very interesting tag team match where you had Remy and Caljack teaming against uh, Sharp and and Brett the Threat. Uh, obviously, Brett and Caljack will be. Uh, facing each other at the anniversary show, and Remy will be defending the title, the Nevada State title, against uh, Gregory Sharp. Uh, is it fun for you to have these types of, um, you know, those traditional tag team matches that have two teams that are basically, you know, in feuds, but they've never really tagged with each other? And how much did that allow a guy like Greg Sharp, Gregory Sharp in that match, it was really cool the way that he almost uh, isolated his own partner and and kind of became the boss of uh, Brett the Threat, which is not an easy task for keeping a guy like Brett uh, in check. Is it fun to put together those matches in helping the setup because usually you see the the traditional matches that are setting up the stories and you know uh, the run-ins etc but this was kind of cool to see guys that we really haven't seen tag with each other in a scenario that also helped further the storylines and that's what it was about it, it was talked about a couple months ago and, and remy had brought up that idea of uh, you know whether it was at the time depending on if Jay Vidal was going to be wrestling Eli Everfly for the no limits 
And he had brought up also, hey, what about me and Jay Vidal against, say, Eli Everfly and Gregory Sharp? You know, a lot of story and history in there. And it's like, well, let's see where things take us. You know what I mean? And and things really turned, you know, on a dime when Matt Vandergriff won the No Limits Championship. You know, right. that was not a decision that was made until uh, right before the event. It was that yeah. that night I was contemplating ideas and things like that. And I'm like, you know what? This would be really cool if we did this, this, and that. Because Eli Everflies had a lot of injuries of late. And right. he decided he pulled out of the AEW weekend. He pulled out of the anniversary show, which we had already known he wasn't going to be part of. But in, in my mind, immediately after watching Matt, I mean, uh, Jay Vidal and Eli Everfly, I was pitching for the first ever FSW death match. And it was going to be uh, Jay Vidal versus Eli Everfly. And they wow. were both down with that. You know, but maybe that's something we can revisit down the line because they've had two matches and they both have been as good as the other, which is as good as any other match you're going to see. You right. know, their chemistry is through the roof. You know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Eli Everfly, whether whether he's flying, whether he's, you know, killing himself. Or whether he is, you know, reversing a counter into a submission and mat-based wrestling you to death. You know what I mean? It's like he can do it all. And then you got Jay Vidal, you know, arguably the most charismatic wrestler in FSW, who's not afraid to take a light tube in the head. You know, he goes down to Florida and he's uh, eating light tubes. So... Those guys have done so much in the confines of the FSW arena. You know, 30 seconds into the match, they're, they're, you know, they're trying to break chairs and fuck each other up in the bleachers and jumping off the bleachers onto the concrete and shit, you know? And it's like, yeah. well, if this is what you guys want, here you go. You know, who am I to stop the progress of two FSW wrestlers that want to, you know, be at the top of the mountain. You know, yeah. I'm a giving person. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I, I suppose, too, it's kind of a good thing that Eli's getting a little break because of the fact that after GCW, I don't think there's any light tubes left in this town. So there's got to be a, a replenish of light tubes after that crazy stuff that went down with that um you know and again the silver nugget um you know kudos to them for for hosting everyone for the uh the weekend for AEW, and now the anniversary show is going to be there uh with the bigger scale and really everyone who's on the show so far um have all pretty much proven themselves uh do you think that that hype, that that um, that nervous energy, is raised up a little bit more for the casino shows as opposed to the actual um, 
like high octane shows. Do you think the guys get a little more of that taste of adrenaline going in? And is it a you know is it a chance for them to kind of uh, look at the card and go, okay, we're on here. We're going to bring down the house with this match. Uh, you know, we're we're going to, you know, try to set the bar high right at the beginning, uh, and then everyone else has to up their game. Is that kind of the feel that you get going into it, where everyone is is on the top of their game, ready to just um, just give everything they got, so the audience, uh, the fans, can you know sit back and really just have a fun time and really see maybe some stuff that they haven't seen out of some of the guys before. Well, it's all about the atmosphere, you know, and the, the silver nuggets, Samstown, Silverton, Casablanca, you know, that's all big fight feel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even though we didn't do the hugest numbers at FSW versus revolver and what we would have liked, you know, there was more people there than that would have been able to fit into the FSW arena. So the fact there wasn't 600 people there. Yeah. It's disappointing on my end, but for a lot of those guys, you know, I remember uh, sky high when they came to FSW and they got to be on the anniversary show. And that was a big moment for them because they claimed you know, they bought a ticket and they were at the anniversary show, say, the year before or, or whatever it right. was. And to see all those people in the audience to be able to perform in them when you're a young wrestler who probably hasn't had matches yet, you know, that's going to be a, a really big moment, you know. Yeah. So we've had guys break out, you know, in those situations. You know, whether it was the Battle Royal or a Rumble, you know, that was kind of where Hero Lou got his first taste before he tore his ACL. Uh, You know, that was maybe to some people uh, Kevin Cross's coming out party was, you know, in the Rumble where he, you know, beat up a bunch of people. So being at the Silver Nugget, regardless you know, you're going to be there. Hopefully family and friends are going to be there. It's it's an opportunity to where, you know, obviously for the younger wrestlers on an FSW show, the Mecca is, is the be-all, end-all. You know, right. if you're on the Mecca, you know Joe DeFalco thinks extremely highly of you to put you in there because that's a show where we're going to bring in, you know, not one or two, but six, eight, 10 fly-ins that are popular on a national level. You know, the very first match of the Mecca is Remy Marcel versus Willie Mack. And believe me, the card didn't get, you know, any worse, you know, and the card was built up from that. And those guys go out there you know, you're looking to top that. At yeah. the FSW anniversary show, it's a little different. The big matches are the big matches. This year, we're going back to the old ways. You know, we didn't do an anniversary two years ago. So right. when we finally did it again last year, we built everything up for a two-night event. And since we didn't have the rumble, the rumble part was part of day one. Right. So 
we didn't do our yearly battle royal that we would normally do. So now we'll go back to the battle royal. And then August 21st, uh, the decision needs to be made. Are we going to do Against All Odds, which is the show based around the Rumble? Or do we stay in the traditional mode like we used to always do, where August was survival of the fittest, and then November? Right. So we have the date locked in. Uh, you know, I'm leaning 70-30 for survival of the fittest and to keep everything in check. That way we can build up into the, the rumble match and, right. you know, start making the dates and finding out the other dates to make sure all the players are going to be on hand because the rumble alone is usually 25 or 30 guys. So yeah. you add in, you know, four other matches, you know, you're talking 40 people on a show. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, things become different. You know, for the younger guys on this one, they're going to get a lot of opportunity by being in the Battle Royal. You know, I had a post on the student page today. This is how it works, guys. You know, there's guys I haven't been seeing. There, there's those younger guys that you see on Future Shock that were here AEW weekend and somehow they can't seem to get off. And those same guys, if I said, hey, you, you're on the show Saturday, I'm pretty sure guaranteeing that they would have been at the show. Oh, sorry. I got to work my job. I can't make it. Even though my, my goal in life is to be a professional wrestler. I'm good. I'm not gonna be able to make this show. Oh, wait, I'm only supposed to help out. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely can't make this show. But let me see what I could do. If you're going to book me on it. It's you know? yeah. And that's the unfortunate thing, you know? Yeah. Sometimes the passion and drive isn't there. You know, look look at look at the young guns, you know, of FSW. Who would that be? I guess because they've had less than two years. You know, you're talking Nick Xander. You're talking Brett the Threat. They both yeah. have marquee matches on that show. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And then some other guys who are kind of a little further along, you know, uh, Lazarus and Ricky Tenacious, they're getting their first opportunity to work a big yeah. match at an anniversary show, you know, and, and along with Damian Drake, who really had nowhere to fit when it came to singles matches, but he's the perfect guy, you know, to, to fit in into that situation. Yeah. So, you know, we have... Ricky Tenacious, we got Laz, Action Braxton's first opportunity to be in, in, in a match that of that caliber, you know, Damian Drake, you know, I'll announce it today. The the only multi-time winner cash in the case, Jacob Austin Young. He will be the fifth participant in the ladder match. And now we're deciding on who's going to be the sixth, man. There, there's a lot of options, you know. Yeah. I have one crazy idea. Jay Vidal versus Matt Vandergriff opens the show. The loser of that match enters the cash in the case. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, well, death proof. Jacob Austin Young, he's in the cash in the case. Uh, a guy of Cody's caliber who's been there for all 13 years, it would be a disrespect for Cody not to be on the main card. Right. 
You know, funny bone, not on the main card as of this moment. So is the cash in the case crazily expanded to eight men? Can we shatter records? One never knows. You know, there's a lot of decisions that need to be made over the next, you know, 12 days, 11 days, whatever it is. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming Uh-oh. quick. You know, what happens if Matt Hardy says, hey, Joe, I want to be at the anniversary show? How do I not put him in the cash in the case? I, 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 I don't think uh, after seeing him and Jeff Russell uh, AEW weekend, uh, uh, if, if Matt Hardy gives you a call, you might want to advise him to. Yeah, it's. Take a step back for a while, man. Uh, you know, and it's Father's Day the 19th. Um, obviously, uh, that holiday is uh, going to be something that you can celebrate and bring your, your dad out to see wrestling or, you know, dad, take the kids, do something you like to do, watch wrestling. Um, you mentioned Funny Bone. We know that if there's any time Funny Bone should be uh, in a match on a card, it's for Father's Day because – you know, Funny Bone's got his own. Who's uh, got more kids than him in Vegas? You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> um, when you think about that and just the mass of talent, especially with the opportunities now for guys like Ricky Tenacious, um, you, like you said, Xander and Breath of Threat, in pretty big matches, Xander, uh, boy, he loses the qualifier because uh, Clutch – you know, comes out of nowhere and uh, does the uh, the perfect interference with the money. You know, the, that was literally the money shot for Clutch. So, <laughs> what I mean, what is behind Clutch? You, you just made Glenn King very proud, right there. You made Glenn <laughs> King very proud. Oh, uh, what is it that that's driven uh, Clutch finally to come back? Is it? Uh, you know, seeing uh, what someone like Xander's doing and proving that uh, Clutch can still go? Well, Clutch and Sugar Brown lost last year at the anniversary show, two out of three fall match for the tag titles. And in all honesty, conversations right after that kind of didn't go anywhere because bottom line was they've been multi-time tag team champions. Uh... Where do they go? Do they start wrestling sky high in the Suavecitos? They've been there. They've done that. Now the question became, what's next for the R&B? You know, and as time progressed, you know, I, I had pitched some ideas, you know, and I'm like, hey, what about this? And in reality, those ideas got moved. Because when Death Proof lost the tag titles, it was time to take a step back. Do they right. tag still? Yeah, here and there, when necessary. You know, and we needed them this past weekend, uh, last weekend. Violence is forever. We felt for them to be on the show, they needed to tag. But on Thursday, Jacob Austin Young was involved in a scramble. So he worked a singles match. Uh, Cody worked at the Limitless Tournament. Jake worked Davey Richards at the Limitless Tournament. 
Right. So the idea was to kind of keep them together, but break them apart in terms of matches. Because do we really want to see the Suavecitos and Death Proof? They pro- we've probably seen it two or three times. And in other combinations of three-way tag, four-way tag, eight-man tags together, blah, 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 blah. Right. So I talked with Clutch, and he seemed to be more ready to do something. And, you know, we have conversations. And in the past, me and Clutch, you know, there, there's a few of the old timers, I guess you could call them, that have been there for a long time, that we, uh, you know, agree to disagree on, on certain things. You know, uh, Clutch is a very passionate person. But, you know, sometimes he thinks Joe fucked him over. But in most cases, he's the guy who knows that he moved from Phoenix, Arizona, to train here and Joe gave him an opportunity to show what he can do in professional wrestling. So he's always going to have, you know, that soft spot for me, whether there's antagonism or blaming me, or as I jokingly used to call them the forgotten sons, because, you know, when they all came back from China, they just all expected to walk in and red carpet treat. Well, at the time, the 1% took over. And there was other teams that were involved and there was other things going on. And it's like, I, I know you guys did a lot for FSW and hopefully you will continue to do so. But this is where we're at. You know, they're the pinnacle now, not you. Right. And whether that led to turmoil or whatever it was, whatever it was. So now he had you know, some thoughts on what he's seen because we have our FSW student page and every once in a while, Joe goes fucking crazy on the FSW student page because some, you know, because nobody showed up to help break down a ring or, or, or set it up or we needed them for something. And he sees like, man, I can't believe you let those motherfuckers do that shit when we were there, you know, Shit like that didn't fly. So he has, you know, understanding of what he felt was needed to get on shows, to get to next levels, to be involved in storylines. And I won't disagree with him that a lot of the younger cats, you know, feel deserving of things without. And I'm not going to say haven't earned anything. Because they've earned the right to be on the shows. But it's my show. And if I think you're here, you could think you're here all day. Go find somebody who thinks you're there. If they think you're there and you think that you're being held back, more power to you. I'm I'm not going to hold a grudge against anybody who thinks they're better than I think they are. Well, it's my show. So I'm going to put who I feel is the best for the role in that spot. So, you know, Nick Xander, you know, goes on Facebook and very passionate rookie of the year done great things. Brett, the threat, annoying motherfucker, but he's done great things. He works hard. You know, he, he is generally around despite not wanting to be to help set up a ring and doing that grunt work. But, you know, he feels maybe coming from that MMA world, 
that like he legitimately can kick everybody's ass. You know what I mean? So Brett has the chip on his shoulder, and that's fine. You know, Xander and Brett the Threat are probably going to be, you know, mainstays for a long time. And in the future, you know, to me, they're going to be, you know, like Damian Drake and Matt Vandergriff or Vandergriff and Jay Vidal. Like, yeah. I can watch Jay Vidal and Matt get Vandergriff, you know, a uh, hundred times yeah. and probably not be bored. So, you know, the difference there is, you know, Nick feels – Hey, I want to be no limits champion. Fantastic. That's great that you have goals, but that doesn't put you in the no limits thing. You know, Eli Everfly won a match to be in that spot. Uh, Matt Vandegrift by his body of work has earned that spot. So, okay, Nick Xander, we're going to give you the opportunity. You know, you're going to bang on my door. Not even fucking there. What the fuck? You know what I mean? It's like, hit me up. Say, Hey Joe, this is what I believe. And, you know, he wants to do the right thing and he wants to prove it. But you know what? There's a hundred guys who say they want to prove it. And then if you give those hundred guys the opportunity, probably 96 or 97 of them are going to fail in that opportunity. Now, is Nick Xander one of the three or four or five guys that might be able to? Absolutely. I'm not going to say he can't be a no limits champion, Nevada state champion, heavyweight champion. You can't do it if you don't get the opportunity, but in most cases, there's only one opportunity for that show. Right. And as the rookie of the year, there's, you know, there's a lot of great talent. You know, we have Gregory Sharp. We got Remy Marcel. Hey, Damian Drake don't have a match. He's got to go earn an opportunity. You know, Damian Drake is a tag team champion, a no limits champion. He's, wrestling at triple a he's less than 30 years old you know he's wrestled on ring of honor he's wrestled on impact and i'm pretty damn sure he wants the match against hammerstone he wants the match but sometimes you have to be patient and it might not be right you know it might not be that you don't get that opportunity but the opportunities come when they come Ice Williams got under the, under the skin of, of Hammerstone. He forced his way into there. You know, him and the faction, they beat the piss out of Hammerstone. And Hammerstone's not going to take that lightly. Uh, they won a handicap match where Ice was injured and, and couldn't be involved. Well, now Ice is getting his wish. And now he gets to go one-on-one with the champion on the 13th anniversary show. And now it's, you know, step up or step out. Because yeah. if he loses that match, now there's going to be somebody else that's going to have to, you know, step in that situation. You know, spots have opened up. You know, a lot of people felt Toa Leona would be a guy that would be, you know, in contention for the heavyweight championship. A guy like Juicy. Well, Juicy got his opportunity. And, you know, Juicy's taking a little step back, you know, resting up some injuries you know, working to get in a little better shape. So now the top of that card, you know, who's who is next in line for a heavyweight championship match against a Hammerstone or Ice Williams? Well, if Ice Williams wins, I'm pretty sure a lot of those guys who have wrestled with him and if it wasn't for the faction may have won, uh, like a Vandegrift or Jay Vidal, all those guys 
you know, they're going to want that opportunity. Not, yeah. not that Matt Vandegrift, he's been, been dying to wrestle a Hammerstone. So you got a Damian Drake, you got a Remy Marcel, you got a Sharp, you got Ice Williams, you got Jack, you got Graves, you know, you got Juicy, you know, there's Jacob Austin Young. It's like, what title can he or can't he go after? You know, we have Willie Mack, you know what I'm saying? We got Kenny King, we, we got, you know, Fresco, you know, we got Funny Bone, we got Cutthroat Cody. It's like, where does Nick Xander fit in there? Is Nick yeah. Xander more deserving of a title match than Funny Bone is? You, you know what I mean? It's like, at the right time he is, but it has to be at the right time. And Nick Xander was looking to force that time by going into the cash in the case. Well, he did the next best thing he could do. Guess what? He's not in the cash in the case. But does he want to be in the Battle Royal? which is a stepping stone to being on the main show. Well, he, 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 he could challenge Clutch all he wanted, but because of what he has done over the year and having an availability on the show, we're okay with yeah. Nick Xander versus Clutch. Clutch has done a lot of things for nine years, and Nick Xander has done a lot of things for one year. Yeah. And, you know... As they say, be careful what you wish for. You, you know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, now you're gonna get the opportunity, kid. You know yeah. what do you what are you gonna do with it? Yeah, it, and it's uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that could happen, which uh, you know sets it up very nicely. Um, you know, uh, obviously, if uh, Sugar's around, maybe Sugar shows up. Uh, and uh, do we see maybe uh, Chase Bell come? And if uh, there's literal interference, maybe Chase helps out. Or well, well, I know Nick Xander was looking under the ring to make sure that Sugar Brown wasn't there. You know, but I believe honestly, at this time frame, you know, Clutch. Remember, ha always has to be thought of when you think of Clutch. You're thinking of Sugar Brown. And, you know, Clutch was an accomplished singles wrestler before he became part of a prominent tag team. You right. know, if the tag team is no more, you know, Clutch, what dri what's driven Clutch throughout the years I've known him is that chip on his shoulder that he feels that I believe he wasn't good enough for certain things. And, you know, the moral of the story is that that's how a lot of people use their motivation. Right. I know for a fact Gregory Sharp felt that I didn't believe he was good enough to get past here. And he felt he was good enough by being here. Now, he could say whatever he wants and more power to him, but getting the opportunity with Remy, I believe I was 1,000% correct in my assumption of where Hyperstreak belonged on a show. If Hyperstreak wrestled Gregory Sharp one-on-one, -on -one, Gregory Sharp would murder Hyperstreak. Yeah. Because Gregory Sharp now has that chip on his shoulder, outstanding wrestler who wants to prove to the world that he's not the guy to help the younger guys. 
he's not the guy to hold things in place while other people jump over him. He now has proven, win or lose, that he can be a champion in FSW. Yeah. And I know, and I would guess, you know, I didn't think it out and be like, okay, here's guys I think can be champions, and here guys that I can't. Hyper streak. Oh, no way. You know what right. I mean? But yeah. when you're putting things together, he's not in the forefront of a thought of, hey, where are we going with this? You know, who are the options that we have going forward? And Gregory Sharp has opened eyes everywhere with what he has done because you've seen Gregory Sharp has had more success in the last year than he did in his entire 10 years wrestling. Yeah. So he could blame me, he could blame Remy, or he could credit us, or he could do neither. But yeah. the bottom line is the situations that happen with me personally and with Remy professionally have catapulted him to where he is at the top of his game. Yeah, and he had a huge uh, weekend, uh, you know, AEW not only here but also in L.A., and uh, you know the other matches he wrestled on the on the collective weekend, uh, just amazing to see that transformation in a year from that character, which you know it was it was a character that fans liked, but you know there was there was really nothing behind Hyper Street, and Gregory Sharp is so complex that it just works. It's so wonderful to see his passion put out there and that idea of a chip on the shoulder i mean that's really driven him um at the same time you know has it ever occurred to you how much remy has grown because you know remy's been around for pretty much you know the whole run of fsw um look at him now man he's in incredible shape and he just Yet he still wears a T-shirt in the ring now that he's in the best shape of his life. Figure that out. You're right. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's amazing. his um, Just his ability to really find the heart of that character. <coughs> and so many people liked the whirlwind gentleman that, you know, he had the natural fan base, but was a, a heel there for a little bit with uh with uh sal and uh he's come this full circle now where you still really can't say that maybe he doesn't have a little bit of that heel in him uh and and greg sharp has you know it looks like gregory's pulled it out of him to where this could be possibly one of the more hard-hitting brutal matches we saw that with uh, what Gregory Sharp did with Jay Vidal, um, could could it could this one be one of those matches that kind of just steals the card? You know, without a doubt, uh, I'll tell you, I had definitely had my doubts. You know, the Whirlwind Gentleman, Remy was Remy before Whirlwind Gentleman. You know, Jack slid in, and you know they they meshed together because they were friends. You know, when they came back, 
Jack and Remy had different ideas of different things and Jack stepped away, you know, and Remy uh, took what he was trying to do with Cross when they were the 86ers. And I wasn't a big fan. You know what I mean? It was like they were coming across his heels, but they were still those guys. So it was hard to boo them yeah. and things like that. And I think with Jack being gone and then Kevin being gone, you know, Remy had to be his own entity. And as his own entity, he was able to do things on his own. And even I told him, you know, he, he reinvented himself. You know, you take a look at the three, I guess you could say, who are the three living legends in FSW history? Well, you got to say there's three guys who appeared on the very first show. Funny Bone, Cody, and Remy Marcel. Those three guys are polar opposites of the three guys who debuted at the FSW initial event in Memorial Day weekend 2009. And Remy's change took a long time because the success of the whirlwind gentleman kept him you know, and then he went to China. So he was, you know, on and off for a year or two, whatever. And then the pandemic hit. So now that we've been running shows, you know, he's clicked on all cylinders, you know, and the character is him. You know, I don't look at him anymore and think of the fro. Like, dude, when you first, dude, how could you shave your fucking head? What the fuck are you doing? You know what I mean? And it's like, you know what? You have to change. You have to evolve with the times. And Funny Bone was always the crazy motherfucker. Now he is a jacked crazy motherfucker. Who now is, he was never the the strong guy. But now he's a strong dude. Who now will still go out of his way to do something insane. And Cody, you know. He's had multiple transformations. Yeah. You know, he went from chubby, you know, chubby test Cody, the original CTC crash test, you know, to I used to call him cancer treatment Cody because, you know, the dude (laughs) lost like 60 pounds and he was thin as a ghost and he looked like he was sick to now where he's transformed himself and he, he went from here down to here and now he's here yeah and probably weighs more than he did when he was chubby cody because now he is in the best shape of his life and reinvented himself and all those reinventions keep people from getting stale yeah because how many how many shows have we done you know what I mean? How many shows has Remy Marcel and Cody been on? You know, more so than Funny Bone, because he's been around. You know, we use him a little less frequently, things like that. But these guys have been on hundreds of shows. And for you to be a viable option for any match takes a lot. Yeah. You know, look at Cody now. He can go work a, a, a tag match with Funny Bone against Nick Gage. Uh, he can work, you know, a singles match with Funny Bone. 
he could go get in a, in a four-way and wrestle with Davey Richards. You know, he could do all this stuff. And, you know, it, it's definitely a credit because it's easy for people to give up. You know, people, when they start, you know, their goal is to be a professional wrestler and in most cases go to WWE, you know, be, be, be a superstar, be seen uh, as what a Kevin Cross went on to do. When you're now 12, 15, 17 years into the business and you haven't reached that level, it's a lot easier to be complacent and be in way worse shape at 34, 36, 38 than you were. It's a lot harder in, in, in regular life to be yeah. in better shape at 40, 37 than you are at 25. Yeah. So it just shows you how much time and effort these guys are putting in for a passion, uh, I, I can't say a full-time gig because it isn't a full-time gig. It's, a, it's still the weekend gig for them. Right. And they want to put all their eggs in the basket and hope that, you know what, somebody will see me because there's no doubt all three can be at a higher level. But as we know in the business, it's right place, right time, right connection and sometimes the right connection it it is the catalyst of being in the right place at the right time you know yeah chris bay doesn't walk into wwe and sanjay dutt's not there does he get the match on main event and then does immediately impact the side to sign you know what i mean it's like how do things work out you know, obviously, Tom Howard, legendary trainer, probably has his people he knows. Hey, my girl, she can work. She's going to get that tryout before Maserati. Right. But then Maserati's got her connections through through D'Lo and Kenny and gets looked at from other organizations. And you got to have those connections. You have to know somebody, you know, you can blindly send things in and you're just a needle in the haystack. We, we saw that AEW weekend, you know, if you wiped out five of our regular, no limits guys, and as good as they are, we brought in Jared Diaz and we bring in Casey Navarro. We're having five more. We could put five more guys in there that are awesome. Now, will those five excel the way the Damian Drake, the Jay Vidal, Matt Vandegrift, guys like that who've come along recently, maybe, possibly, probably, you know, who knows? But the FSW train seems to be a good train to be on. And, you know, having a conversation with a guy like Jared Diaz, who's from New York now in Orlando, hitting me up for dates, as we're talking, and it's like, yeah, man, you had this guy before he was a star, and that guy, you know, that's why I want to be an FSW. Now, he could be blowing smoke up my ass, and it sounds great, but what he's not, what he's saying is not not true. You know, right. we did utilize, we did bring in a Rich Swan and Ricochet to FSW before anybody in the world knew who the fuck these guys were. The Reno scum. You know, things like that. All these guys who've gone on to bigger and better things. Toa Leona, you know, 
Hammerstone. You know, these were guys that were not part of FSW that came from somewhere else right. where the talent was seen. They got on other people's eyes, and now they're at a different level. And, you know, Vandegrift knows, you know, Orlando for Jared Diaz, he's another guy. There's so many guys, and you have to know people. The West Coast might have be a little smaller knit group, but when you're spotlighted on the West Coast, there's more eyes on you because – you're not one of a hundred guys on right. the East Coast that people are looking at. You're one of twenty. Matt Vandergriff, the ten best matches he's gotten have been because of what's happened on the West Coast. GCW saw him using him on the West Coast, sometimes using him on the East Coast, but it was because of the West Coast. Titus Alexander, guy we don't use that often. We use during that weekend, but he is he's blowing up. Nick yep. Wayne, Washington, blowing up. Chris yeah. Bay was West Coast blowing up because those guys were like, hey, th- there's far less of these awesome dudes on the West Coast. On the other one, it's harder to get bookings. It's harder to do this. It's harder to do that. On the West Coast, look at PCW, great company out of California. Yeah. Who's their champ? Hammerstone. Who's their uh, cruiserweight champion? Jay Vidal. Who else do they use on a frequent basis? Matt Vandegrift, Titus Alexander, Chris Bay. They used Douglas James before when we did. You know what I mean? So yeah. we know who the hot commodities are. And we don't have a thousand of them to choose from. So those yeah. guys are going to get those big spots. You know what I mean? It's like Anthony Green comes to L.A. for a month, and that dude's booked 30 times. Because yeah. he's a hot commodity, and he was a pretty hot commodity on the East Coast. So now here's a guy you're not going to have that much. Everybody wants a piece of him. We were talking to him about possibly being in the cash in the case. Hey, sorry, Joe. Love to work for you. But, you know, me and Holiday were both booked that day. Richard Holiday, love to have yeah. him on the show. You know, because those guys know coming to the West Coast now broadens their horizons. It's getting a new fan base behind them. Right. And our fan base is strong. You know, what we could pick up from the East Coast is great, but we have to rely on the West Coast. We right. got to be big in Arizona. We got to be big in California. That way, someday we can go there and people are like, oh, yeah, FSW's coming. Just like on a bigger scale, that's what GCW does. Right. You know, they go from L.A. to Vegas to death matches in Jersey and everywhere in between. And, man, I don't know how Brett doesn't get sick every week, man. He fucking A. Like, how the hell does he do that shit? Well, and, you know, uh, I think that uh, Anthony Green's a great example, too, of someone who's been around for a long while, and it's taken him uh, a long time to go through that evolution process to get to where he is now. And, you know, speaking of Yeah, he was garbage in Vegas years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's remarkable. Um, and I think that that's also something that's really kind of, you know, again, social media and having the access on YouTube to a lot of, you know, uh, these guys putting up matches, uh, putting up promos, 
it's just a different animal that yeah. you could go from where you were, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago to oh, where you are now, as long as you're willing to put in the time and, um, and listen and, and learn along the way, which, you know, sometimes it's really hard to get people to understand that concept. Um, and I, I like that you mentioned Tom Howard too, because I liken a Cody and a Remy to how Tom was to us at UPW, a guy who was, you know, had been around for a, a number of years and didn't have the full, you know, notoriety of WWE or WCW, but was a solid worker that people knew about and was a great teacher. And I think that's the other thing that I, you know, these guys have in common is that Remy and Cody are great teachers too. Um, so it's, it's really fun to watch the evolution and to see what the possibilities are for them in the future uh, as they continue on this journey. Uh, as we start to wrap up, um, one other person I wanted to ask you about who I thought had a really good match was uh, Robbie Litt. Um, he lost to Damian Drake, but uh, are we starting to see a little personality coming out of Robbie? Yeah. You know, initially at the beginning, you know, the show, I wasn't feeling that well, I was feeling better. So I, I showed up, you know, but I, I kind of stayed outside in the back trying to distance myself a little bit and didn't really get to watch a lot of things. And the first thing I heard from a bunch of people was, you know, Damian Drake, Robbie Litt, real good, real good. You know, Remy didn't get to watch a lot of it. Uh, so when I woke up Sunday morning, I got a, you know, I guess you could say a you know, really long Facebook match message from Remy, you know, talking about, you know, uh, matches from the show. And... You know, he, he gave his critiques like he always, you know, does that I always, you know, look forward to, to hearing from. Uh, but this is what he wrote. He goes, definitely give Robbie and Damien attention was a pretty solid match. And again, Robbie in my book, in my opinion, looks as good, if not better shape. And, you know, he believed that it was there. That was the second thing he wrote about it. And the first thing he go he wrote was Robbie Litt is in as good, if not better shape than Damian Drake and probably the best match Robbie has had and definitely hung with Brett or Damian. Damian. Yeah. But, you know, so, you know, that's big praise. You know, what I saw of it, he, you know, he looks solid. The thing is, Mondo had the chance to do a lot more single stuff because Robbie was, was hurt in right. the past. So Mondo got a little run in the Limitless tournament and things like that. Uh, Robbie got the opportunity at Natural Born Killers because of a, of his amateur wrestling background. Yeah. But, you know, again, sky high, they have been in this tag division a long time. And, again, not only do they wrestle the Suavecitos here, hey, they're wrestling him in Arizona and they're wrestling him in – you know, California, best of the West. And it's like, even though they may not have wrestled each other a hundred times here, I know, you know, they're looking to expand. They're looking for different things. 
So right. when I figured a good match for Mondo would be against Braxton, it left Robbie out in the cold. So yeah. it was like, where can we put him that'll fit? Initially, I was going to put uh, Davion in there, but he wasn't able to make it. He wasn't feeling well. So I really didn't want to do another babyface, babyface match. But you know what? I'm trying to have the best match I can and the best match for Damian Drake on who hasn't been put on the show yet is Robbie Litt. And even though he hasn't had tons of singles matches, you know, they ran together as the unguided versus sky high, you know, having a, you know, eight minute match, you know, they went over as always, but you know, it was entertaining. It was fun. And, and Robbie showed that, you know, here's another guy that when you need a, a, a contender for the no limits championship match, you know, a lot of these tag teams were put together because of the fact we had too many no limits guys. So you can look at the Suavecitos. You can look at sky high. They were a tag team and they're brothers, but again, they, they, they were also guys that could fly on the uh, no limits scene. And at the time, you know, Laz and Adriel, we put them together because uh, of that situation. And even though Jacob Austin young and Cody, you know, Jacob Austin young's a no limits guy. And then, you know, we still had, uh, the Ice Williams out there. And we still had Matt Vandergriff. And we put him with Damian Drake, even though, you know, just, again, just because they wanted to be, and I felt they'd be a good tag team, but it seemed like it would fit, you know, in that situation with tag teams. So they became a tag team. So now you look at the No Limits division, and it's far more loaded than any division we have. Yeah. You know, yeah, and it's it's exciting to see the, uh, you know these these guys stepping up. Um, it's just Alexander. Yeah, you know, um, it, yeah, it's Bodie. <laughs> it, well, that's I was just gonna say, and you've got, you know, not only do you have this now, but you have what's coming down the line. Uh, you know, God knows that <laughs> Bodie might end up, you know. Uh, being at 18, uh, you know, maybe even younger, uh, the youngest uh, No Limits champion in, in a couple of years. So it's it's very exciting to see. And also, you never know who the next uh, class of people are going to be in that, uh, you know, in that chain uh, produced by the school. So... I mean, right. We also have guys we didn't even talk about no limits. Eli Everfly, Gatson, Wise Guy, you know, a Jared Diaz. You know, yep. there, there's 20 guys who literally there's 20, let's say 15 who could be no limits champion. Would anybody right. be shocked that Eli Everfly was a no limits champion? Nope. Nope. And you also have, uh, you know, some names that uh, are even bigger names. Now, uh, like uh, Daniel Chris Bay again, Chris Bay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It seems like Bay can just get any championship in your uh, right. <laughs> There's no um, limits in Chris Bay. Yeah, but yeah, Danny Limelight, Jordan Cruz, um, 
there's just a, a hell of a lot of good talent out there right now. So it's got a message from Jordan Cruz looking to get back in. He's always looking to get back in. And again, it, it, it's the numbers game, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and even guys like, uh, you know, sometimes uh, like a Jack Cartwheel, even you just, it's, it's that amazing. Always, yeah. You know, he, he was not available at all. Uh, AEW weekend, Titus Alexander. Yeah. You know, it's, I, for all it's, really a, it's really a who's who. Yeah. In, for, in that no limits. Willie Mack, just because he's 280, we know Willie Mack's a no limits guy. Funny Bone, even though he's got the muscle, he's a no limits. He could be in the no limits because no limits isn't just because of your size, it's because of the things you do inside the ring. Hey, yeah. Davey Richards could be no limits champion next month. Who knows? And and kudos to David Richards, too. There's another guy who you know everything he did this past, you know, at the collective weekend, um, just just some good, good work, and and it's interesting too. A guy like that can work a Hammerstone, or could work, uh, you know, a, a Jay Vidal or a, a Jacob Austin. You know, Davy Richards is that good, and it seems like what we're seeing nowadays is that you're getting the. Um, you're getting this uh, hybrid wrestler almost who you can use either way. I think guys like uh, when Kevin Owens was on the independent circuit, I think guys like that and Sami Zayn, those guys started breaking that mold. And now you're seeing a lot more of these guys who just, they have charisma, personality. They can do things that, you know, a lot of guys can't do. Um, TJP, yo. Yeah. Forgot about him. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, as we wrap up, Joe, any uh, words, uh, last words for the audience uh, as we uh, head into this final week before the uh, the storm comes next week? You know, I got a few things got to do because, again, being back in time, I'm after I talk to you today, I got to head over to the Nugget. You know, got to settle up. You know, got to got to pay for the room on the the nineteenth. Uh, we've locked in August twenty first, and to be honest with you, once uh, you know, getting my car worked on Thursday for my, not that it's broke, but I got to get my you know my two year checkup, whatever. It's like I'm trying to do everything by Wednesday and Thursday. That way, Friday and Saturday, I could just enjoy the weekend off, and then Sunday. Boom, move, you know, that, you know, a thousand percent. You know, we're selling some tickets already for the anniversary, obviously. It's going to be a big ticket. But now I got to get on, the, you know, get on the horn, talk to the people. Hey, how many tickets you need? Got to get everything in check. Uh, you know, th th this anniversary show, you know what? You know, people talk about, oh, FSW, yeah, Joe Falco, he wants to only push the outside guys, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, you know, my No Limits champions, uh, FSW guy. My, my, my Nevada State champions, an FSW guy. My tag teamer, trained from the beginning, FSW guys. My heavyweight champion has been with me for ten years. He's an FSW guy. I don't care that he just lives in Phoenix. You know, we push the best guys. If you're not the best guys, you're not getting what you want. You know what I mean? 
And, you know, we're looking forward to the future. And, you know, despite what Clutch says, yeah, you know, it, it's hard to churn out because, you know, yeah, when, when he was the rookie in, involved in the rookie of the year, him, Greg Romero, Jacob Boston Young, you know, there was, there was three dudes there, you know, that, that could have been rookie of the year. Well, this year we could have had three dudes that were rookie of the year, Nick Xander, Brett the Thread, or Bodie. You yeah. know, they just as all three could have been as easily, you know, the rookie of the year. Sure, there's some years a little less than the others, but there's always going to be, you know, two, three, four guys that come out that surprise you and, you know, move along a lot quicker, you yeah. know. And if you want to wrestle, hey, you know, we're equal opportunity, you know, place. We're going to give everybody an opportunity, you know. And if you can hang, great. If you can't hang, well, at least, you you know, the dream that you had, at least you took a shot. And it isn't right. for everybody, you know. Me being the biggest wrestling fan in the world, I, I just never wanted to be a wrestler. You know, I felt I would be better suited for other things. And, uh, you know, I think I'm correct. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I'm, I'm not sure I would be in position to be uh, a Nevada State champion anytime. You know, I still can't flip over, so forget it. Got no shot. <laughs> well, on that, well, on that note, uh, everyone, uh, just, just think that uh, that could be the uh, Vince McMahon route for Joe DeFalco to get involved. Joe DeFalco versus Remy Marcel for the Nevada State Championship. It sounds beautiful. There you go. Well, it almost came to that a while back. You know? <laughs> uh, just, just one, you know, just one potato I, in the match. Just, you I, know. I think Shane O'Mac wants the shot. <laughs> Hang oh, on, we need, a, we need a timeout. One of my NFTs are dropping. I, I need to go on the computer for a second. Hang on, timeout. Oh man. Uh everyone again, remember FSW Network, six ninety nine a month. I uh, can see the show that we just talked about. Uh and um uh the um the show on the nineteenth, the anniversary show is the thirteenth anniversary show. I believe uh six o'clock start time, if I'm not correct. If I'm not mistaken, is that correct? Yeah, we're gonna go with six o'clock, being it's the summer, you know, kids are home, whatever. But let's get it at six instead of seven. Doesn't have to be at ten o'clock by the time you're out there. You're out at nine o'clock by the latest. Uh, you know, do a little meet and greet at four and four thirty. Uh, five o'clock doors will open. Uh, we got an eight match card. We'll have, uh, uh, you know, as we've stated, we've put it out. Uh, all the titles will be on the line: Hammerstone versus Ice Williams. Uh, we announced Remy Marcel versus Gregory Sharp in a no holds barred match. Uh, we have rematch the new champion Matt Vandergriff versus Jay Vidal. Uh, you know, if, if we had more time or it was a two day event, uh, I might want to make that a sixty minute match. But you know, right now uh, something still may change. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do a best uh, five out of nine falls. Or something like that. But uh, we got Cal Jack and Brett the Threat in a submissions only match. Yeah. Uh, just added Nick Xander versus a Clutch in a singles match. And then we have uh, the Cash in the Case ladder match with Lazarus, Ricky Tenacious, 
uh, Action Braxton, Damian Drake, Jacob Austin Young, and one, two, or three names to be <laughs> named later. And we will have uh, information on the women's championship and how it will be involved at the anniversary show. Uh, the pre-show battle royal, the Nick Bockwinkle Memorial Battle Royal. Another option I had was the winner of that battle royal gets a spot in the cash in the case. Definitely. So there's still a lot of things we could do. You know, if I really need a ninth guy in the cash in the case, you know, that's where we could be. You know, tickets available at FSWVegas.com. Also, uh, listen to me on the Mark Hoke Show, I guess, on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. on KDWN. I guess it's 7.20 a.m. Who knows? But, you know, good news is I talk a lot. So the show ends up being good because I talk a lot. <laughs> I got to tell the other guys what's going on in the real world of wrestling. They're just fanboys, so I have to help them out. I carry the show. <laughs> Well, um, you know, there, there's no doubt uh, that you uh, you carry this show. Uh, but uh, again, Shane O'Mac at any point may uh, make a run in. So uh, he, he may take a run in and then uh, get on uh, with you and then leave after five minutes because of the NFT implosion. Oh, Joe, you don't get it, man. We're just going <laughs> to we're just going to take clips and make those NFTs. And then he's going to explode, you know? There you go. He'll sell them for 3000 each. Yeah. You know, LV Future Stars at Yahoo.com if you want NFTs. <laughs> we'll sell you any of them. Oh, man. Well, everyone, thank you for tuning in again this week. And uh, please uh, enjoy the rest of your week. And we'll see you guys next time. <coughs>